Like Joel and the Superfans? Make sure to follow us on social media. That's at SuperfanJoel on Instagram or look up Joel and the Superfans on Facebook. You can follow our page. It's pretty neat. If you have any fan mail, send it to us at mail at joelandthesuperfans.com. That's mail at joelandthesuperfans.com. Joel and the Superfans. Hello and welcome to another episode of Joel and the Superfans, the show where we talk to people about the stuff they like and find out why they like it so much. After that, we show off our favorite submission moves. Today's guest is Sarah Kerchak, here to talk about her love of wrestling. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm well. How are you doing? Yeah, can't complain. Doing all right. Um, so first of all, thank you for coming in today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Thanks so for having exciting. me. Oh, hey, it's what I do. I have people here. That's, <laughs> that's my role. <laughs> um, now, when we say wrestling, I feel like... Uh, in terms of like most, I guess, people in, in North America, the one thing they picture when they hear wrestling is like mm-hmm. WWE. Now, are you like a WWE fan or is it is it other wrestling? I'm a lapsed WWE fan. That's how I started. Okay, um, all right. And I, I still will watch, say, the Royal Rumble. The and bigger events WrestleMania. And stuff. More okay. for the spectacle of it than anything, but I don't follow that week to week. Yeah. Um, what I'm into right now is more of the uh, Puro that comes out of Japan, but Ooh. not necessarily all Japanese wrestling. I just have my favorite promotions, which happen to be um, DDT, Dramatic Dream Team, is my favorite promotion. That's such a cool name. Um, there's New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, Gotta Move, and then a little bit of Marvelous, which is a women's company on the side. So cool. those would be the, the four I... The four main ones heart. there. Yes. Awesome, awesome. So it's kind of a... You've got... A, you're, mainly, you're mainly into like uh, wrestling out of Japan then. Uh, you said you were formerly a WWE fan. You occasionally tune in. That's mm-hmm. good to know. Yep. How do the two differ, would you say? Like, what are kind of the differences between that sort of WWE style and Japanese? Well, th- there's a lot of similarity because um, most of the Japanese stuff is originally inspired by more of the American, North American, and a bit of the European wrestling. So okay. th- there's... There's a core to it where the, a lot of the moves are similar. Um, everyone has the same sort of base. But then it's, you know, how you execute them, the way it's filmed, the way the stories are told, the okay. different characters. Um, also, like, different levels of meddling. The WWE is such a slick, major production now that yeah. every single moment of it is scripted and overproduced. And that works for those characters in that presentation and the level of money that's invested in it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's wrong because oh, it's not. just not my thing. And I also, I used to be a super snarky asshole about wrestling and yeah. it just kind of burned me out on it. And I don't want to be that person anymore. And also I'm just too old to be that person <laughs> anymore. Um, so I, so I'm not going to be like, no, WWE sucks. The only answer is everything else because also my favorite promotion kind of started and still has certain elements of being sort of a parody, but a very loving parody of WWE style wrestling. It, it, it's sort of a shared roots there, but they've yeah. kind of they've kind of grown apart there. I dig that. I dig that. Um, yeah, you talked about kind of the uh, the the WWE and the sort of overproduced story and the d- different storytelling style. And it also like varies promotion to promotion, so it's not like there's one Japanese style. Especially I, as a white Canadian girl, don't want to like come on here and be yeah. an expert on this <laughs> thing I discovered two years ago and totally exotify a different culture. Um, but because it is sort of more an international mishmash of stuff, um, yeah. and each promotion has sort of a, a different vibe and aspect to it. So New Japan Pro Wrestling has sort of these years-long sweeping stories that are mostly told through the moves themselves, but also um, each character has a backstage segment where a lot of it is, I think, in their control as far as I can tell. They're given a framework and then they just sort of fill in their own character's motivation or aspect. So so wrestlers kind of get to write like their own piece within the larger story or they get to write yeah. their own story so, there? Yeah, they get to, there. there is like a, a 
sort of arc that you're going to follow and all the pieces come into play. But in terms of like finding your own character's motivation and how to make that interesting, a lot of that comes down to them, which I find just as a writer, really interesting to see that level of collaboration and creativity. That's super cool. Actually. All of that yeah. stuff. Just in terms of, uh, of you know, what I, I, I feel like I, I don't want to keep, you know, referring back to the WWE. But it That's, is the, it's, the, it's where my framework yeah. of that comes in. And I think because, it is for most people, too. And yeah. it's, it's not like anything I'm watching is extremely foreign to that. Like, it's the same medium. Yeah. It's just that they're doing different aspects of it. And then DDT is, I mean, it's my favorite thing in the world and I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it it has sort of long-term storytelling too, but there's also just this very galaxy brain sense of humor to it. And it's just like this amazingly surreal universe they've created for themselves where everything is wild within it, but the framework makes perfect sense. Like it is such a cohesive creative vision that just happens to be about batshit pro wrestling where like a sea otter mascot can wrestle and and a chair can be a champion and can beat another chair in a match and you are selling me on this one i want he is incredible i want more of that (laughs) i could talk about ddt all day oh god yeah i mean okay first of all i'm sorry you i i have to focus in on one particular thing you said there now you said a chair could be a champion and in fact a few chairs have been champions there um, <laughs> there was a match last year that was chair versus chair refed and booked by the sea otter uh, mascot Pokatan. of course of course and then other people got involved because the chairs weren't getting into a lot of action <laughs> but a lot of the wrestlers are so creative and so brilliant in that company that they have entire movesets where they can have these really athletic and creative and clever matches with these inanimate objects. So uh, there's also a amazing. there's a sex doll. His name is Yoshihiko. Um, <laughs> he's very famous. Um, you have probably, if you know anything about wrestling and been online at any point, probably most of you have seen clips of him because um, Kota Ibushi was famous for doing just absolutely bizarre and wild matches with Yoshihiko they go viral every once in a while so if you see like some beautiful Japanese man doing getting dunked on his head by a doll that's (laughs) Kota Ibushi this is incredible he's the most famous of Yoshihiko's opponents but I just want to put a shout out there because I actually think Oishi is um Yoshihiko's finest opponent and the most creative person to ever touch that doll I think he's an absolute genius (laughs) and the overrated like the completely underrated bedrock of dramatic dream team. So just shout out to Oishi there. This is um, like some like 17 layer comedy uh, it's, dramatic. It's, it's like it's so brilliant. And like, I feel like I've been waiting my whole life for DDT. And I keep saying this and I think people think I'm joking. And I'm, no, no, God, this I'm sounds really perfect. not. It's just, I, I've, I've always been like, sort of a weird snob but like really rooted in trash culture as well (laughs) i used to like hide in my bedroom when i was 11 or 12 and watch american gladiators and then also watch like weird canadian art films yeah (laughs) and i feel like somewhere in the middle of all of this is this absolutely beautiful creative league called dramatic dream team it's i mean it's just i'm so fascinated by the fact that like you said you referred to um to, to the sex doll wrestler yes as being famous yes. and it's insane to me because i'm like it's it's an inanimate object but it's taken on this life and he's also this- like not only is he famous as an inanimate object he is the most famous inanimate object in a wrestling company that has many there's <laughs> it's, ladders it's not like chairs. this is an oddity this is like the norm for this this and there's company also like very like word regular wrestling that's genius in this company but there's this layer of comedy to it and there is one belt that is strictly for comedy and it's a a (laughs) 24 7 level sort of belt where it's always on the line it's called the iron man heavy metal weight belt (laughs) um and just like go onto wikipedia and look up iron man heavy metal weight 
just dedicate an hour to it because you want to read the entire list and absorb it. Like who's who's held the They have the entire history of the list of who has held it, and it's everyone from serious wrestlers to a printed email. <laughs> a, a cat won it. Uh, <laughs> this is oh man, I'm gonna fall down this rabbit hole. I can tell you that right now. I'm going to I'm gonna sink a lot of time into this because like you're saying this, you're saying you know the the choreography behind like someone facing off with a a, a chair, or a, a sex doll, or I guess in that case a printed email, and it's just like. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around, like, how could that possibly work? And all I can come up with is is something incredible and bizarre at the same time. And the great thing is, like, I I really believe that once you see it, it'll be so much better than you even imagine. I, like, I can't imagine this isn't something that, that, that surpasses my expectations because it, I just don't know what to expect. Yeah, it's like it. they are very creative. And they're also just genuinely talented wrestlers if they're doing serious stuff. Like, yeah. Everyone in that league is so talented. They can do both. Well, that that's the thing I find that people always... Uh, it, the, you always get... There are certain people who are very dismissive of wrestling as mm-hmm. like a, smor- a sport or a hobby. And it's one of those things that I've never been able to understand because it's like people think automatically because there are scripted elements to these that it's somehow not like a real athletic endeavor when it's like the mm-hmm. things... Like the, the level of choreography and 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 you know, athletic skill it takes to pull some of this stuff off is like, it's impressive. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do anything near to what these athletes do. Because it takes, it's the physical aspect. And then there's sort of a creative presentation aspect, more in the line of gymnastics or something. But then there's also a level of improv that can be involved in it. So showmanship involved. Like you need to be a good, uh, like an actor Mm -hmm. in addition to being, you know, an athlete and and, uh, creative type. Yeah, because the audience will not connect with you if you're, only doing the moves. It so doesn't there is, matter. Yeah, yeah you have to have that are. personality and it has to all happen in the right timing. Um, I think the word fake throws people. Like, it does yeah. a real disservice because they don't assume, like, the ending is predetermined. But it makes a lot of people assume that there's no effort in it. That, yeah. Like, there's no skin lost or that people don't actually get hurt. So yeah. that they think just fake fight like pretending to slap each other and don't realize it's a a serious athletic and creative endeavor yeah and i think when you when you like like you said when people throw around the word fake they seem they assume that it's like beginning to end every move that goes down in the ring is something that's been Mm pre-planned and it's like uh, like you said improv is a huge element of it not just in the way that you know they act and perform uh to Mm -hmm. their story and their character that they're playing but also in terms of like you know, when you're in the ring in front of a live crowd, not everything is going to play out the way that you oh, might yeah. have anticipated. And so you have to learn how to get the match back on track or whatever. I assume so. Anyways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can learn so much about a wrestler too, about how they wrestle once you've, they've noticeably screwed up. Um, and that's like fascinating because some will just die and then some do something new and totally exciting. And Rise can, to that like, challenge yeah. there. Yeah. And let's go back to Yoshihiko for a second, too. Uh, Please, for the love of God, please. (laughs) Um, Yoshihiko is, amongst, like, old-school wrestling fans and some old-school wrestlers, uh, a controversial topic. Tell me more. Um, Because a lot of people want to put that genie back in the bottle, where they think that the reason that, like, normal people don't care about wrestling is because it's fake. And so that if they can be convinced again that it's real, as if this will ever happen now that we yeah, actually, like, the average person knows what combat looks like. UFC is in every wings bar ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, we know the rhythm of it. We know that what professional wrestling is, is physically impossible as an actual fight to draw blood. Yeah. Um, but there are still people who genuinely believe that making wrestling look more real and believable is the thing that will make people tolerate it or even respect it again. But that's so odd to me. The idea of putting this genie back in the bottle doesn't really make sense to me because it's like to make the combat more realistic, it's just like I feel like that's not what draws people to wrestling. That's not what the fans of wrestling are there to see these sort of larger-than-life characters. Absolutely. They're there to see this 
fantastical superhuman feats of strength and mm-hmm. and and choreography and agility and it's if you were to bring it back to a level of like realism well it's like well that's what people get into like MMA for and boxing yeah. and stuff like if they wanted to see a real fight like that medium already exists yeah you don't need something that just recreates that that gives you nothing else yeah. except a bottom line that will eventually make sense as they run through longer stories so yeah getting back to Yoshihiko the matches with him people are afraid it like makes fun of or exposes the business when if you watch them as far as i'm concerned what it does is in a very accessible way makes the audience understand the level of creativity and the level of athleticism and the level of like actual genius that yeah. has to go into wrestling and so that you can see like it's just because it's predetermined doesn't mean there's anything fake about it like look at the level of energy that one person is putting into it to give you this match that's sort of like the pro wrestling equivalent of Donald O'Connor dancing and make him laugh, which is one of the most famous dance routines ever. We've talked a little bit about the the storytelling and stuff mm-hmm. um, in comparison and and in its similarity to uh, you know what I guess mainstream North American audiences would know for the WWE. Um, when when we talk about these overarching plots and stuff, is it the same kind of thing where you have your like, you know, face hero characters and the is it heels? Is yes, heel the villain? Heels, yes. Is is that is that dynamic still a thing? Is that is that something they do as well? Yeah, it's absolutely there. There's um certain amount of gray area, and that's not even just a Japanese thing. That's across the board. You'll see it at least attempted in the WWE more too. It's um, especially hard in current wrestling to have an actually hated heel because they're such interesting characters yeah. and usually wildly funny. So you people end up cheering for you if you're entertaining at it at all. So there's a whole new skill where you just make people hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to do than you would very, think, I guess. It's very, very hard to do. There are like very few people right now who are doing great work as just pure old school heels and it's impressive to watch even though I as someone who watches it both as a fan and as a writer who cares about the storytelling is like, like I really respect what you're doing but I want to punch you in the face right now because you that's, are evil like, that's what yeah. they're going for yeah. though. that's great if they can pull that out of you you know I oh man I yeah. feel like the villains are uh, that, that's the problem though I guess maybe I'm part of the problem there where it's harder to have a, an old school heel because I'm totally the guy who's like I'm rooting for the villain. Oh, yeah. I think the villain's the most interesting character. But and then I want there's them. also the tweeners. So What does that mean? Well, they're not quite faces, but they're not heels either. Ooh, um, true neutral. Yes. Yeah, so this, there's a lot of just like um, misfit heroes that okay. fit into that role right now. So probably the, the best example I've got is Tetsuya Naito, the leader of Los Ingobernables de Japón, who is currently the um, IWGP heavyweight and IWGP intercontinental champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wow. First ever double title holder. Um, really? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. He came into Wrestle Kingdom with nothing and he walked out with both belts, which was his goal. Um, Those are always the best stories. He has, too. and it's it's a years long story of this sort of like archetypical millennial hero. <laughs> he went through the dojo training with everyone, and they were building him up to be a typical like really charming face. And the audience just kind of turned on him, and they oh, didn't no. want him. And dejected, he like went away to Mexico and hung out with actual Rudos, who are the heels of lucha okay. um and started to get an attitude came back to japan a complete asshole he was called Ellen Bernabla, and he was just like pissing people off in fights oh. and showboating and the crowd started to fall in love with him as this heel so he wasn't a pure like bad guy anymore but even as he was antagonizing people and pretending not to care, you could see that he still really cared and he was crying. <laughs> and even when he was bad, he was still, like, really good with children. He's That's another thing to look up is a video of Naito fist-bumping children. <laughs> the, like, most heartwarming thing in the oh, planet. I love that kind of content. <laughs> he slowly assembled, like, basically an island of misfit toys for his own stable, Los Ingobernados de Japón. Uh, like, just people who were super weird and didn't fit in with the rest of the New Japan image or had been mis- 
like misunderstood or overlooked in some way. And within this family, they like found strength in each other. So cool. And I mean, what a successful rebranding, though. Oh on yeah, it, on it, like to come in, get re- I, I guess rejected as as a face character, as the this hero, and then to not only come back as like a successful heel, but then to walk away with two titles for it. Well, like, he's not a heel anymore. He is like he's still like officially, I would say, a tweener because he will like, spit in people's faces occasionally. He has a bit of a dick edge to him. Yeah. But he's like an edgy hero. Yes. <laughs> but he's still like he cares so much at heart and he never gave up and he just kept fighting and he had this dream and it looked like it was never going to work out for him. It fell apart two years ago when he tried to like win the audience back with his like face move and it just collapsed and he didn't get it right. And then this time he came back and he was challenging for both belts. He has a history with the other belt that I can't even get into because that's a whole other hour. And, um, but he was going to unite both of the belts and finally respect this other belt that he hated and get the belt that he wanted. And he tried the old move and it didn't work, but it was okay because he did his new moves in a series and everything was fine. And he reunited his, like he accepted his past and embraced his future and he got both the belts and the audience just loved it. I was like, at home watching it live streaming from Japan at like 4 a.m. sobbing on my couch. I mean, that is beautiful, it's though. It's so amazing. And I just, I, I love Naito so much. Like, I'm so emotionally invested in this story. And it's like, hero who is living something a lot of like elder millennials like me are also going through but he has this like actual aspirational happy ending to it like i say that's the thing about uh, you know something like wrestling where it's a continuous story is mm-hmm. like a happy ending isn't like a final note once you win two belts like wh- where do you go from there well right now he's uh, defending his belts um there is a situation for the anniversary show in new japan where the person who holds the heavyweight belt uh, fights the person who holds the junior heavyweight belt. Oh. It only happens once a year. Interesting. <laughs> and it's going to be the first time that Naito fights who's basically his protege, oh. Hiromu Takahashi, who just came back from breaking his neck. He was out for oh almost a year and a half. It was devastating. I thought he was going to die. I was absolutely sick about it because... There's something very, very special about Hiromu. Like, everyone loves him. He uh, talks to inanimate objects. He has, like, cats he brings to the ring. Um, There's his, I think it's his son, Daryl Takahashi, who's a stuffed cat. And then Daryl married Carol, this, like, (laughs) cat statue they met in London. And she came back and they had a son, Daryl Jr., who is currently um, on excursion learning to wrestle in North America. Um, Mama and I have seen uh, Daryl Takahashi Jr. wrestle live. Wait, you've seen that live? Oh, yeah. Man, that's so cool. I've seen, I think, most of my favorites now. DDT actually did their first um, American show last spring. And... Mama and I had front row tickets. Oh, that's cool. That's got to be great, though, seeing <sighs> so something good. that, you know, something you're so interested to, like, build this audience to a, in a way that you can go see it live. Yeah, and it's, uh, well, we're currently planning a, a Japan trip. We don't Ooh, know, sometime cool. this year, we don't know exactly when, but our primary focus will be to see wrestling. We actually recorded an episode yesterday uh, with my friend uh, who lives in Japan. Uh-huh. He was talking about, you know, uh, Japan and, and the culture and, and living there and what a wonderful country it is. So, I don't know. He's kind of sold me on, like, a trip to Japan, right. too. I kind of really want to go and visit. I'm also a big Disney buff, so I, I oh, want to go to Disney. Yeah, Disney yeah. Sea is so cool. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about, <laughs> so I won't sidetrack us like I do every episode. And now you have another reason to go. It's, I mean, you yeah, I, I, honestly, I would, I would have to see this. <laughs> like, I, I feel like you can't not go for something like that if you're, if you're near enough to do it. <laughs> It is seaweed. seaweed. There's, oh, there's a wrestler who's not officially a DDT member, but he wrestles for them regularly who has his own seaweed line. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, Hiroshi Yamato. Um, he's not in Damnation, but they sometimes let him hang out with them as long as he writes them erotic fiction. <laughs> <laughs> 
We haven't even gotten into what? <laughs> we haven't even gotten into Damnation, who are my favorites of all. So Ooh, ev- <laughs> yeah, everything I just told you about Los Ingobernables de Japón and like the misfits and how heartwarming and how they try, just like imagine them as the angel on my one shoulder, and then Damnation are the devil on the other. <laughs> they are the heroes who meet me where I'm at. They're yeah. the only people I love more than Lij. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get there. Um, wow, this is feeding so well into so many of my questions. So, what what I will say is, you did uh, just before we took this little snack break here. You did bring up, uh, you know, attending some live uh, mm-hmm. matches and everything. Now, I gotta ask because there's a difference. You know, there's one thing to see something like this on TV. Mm-hmm. Another thing to see it live. What is what's the atmosphere like at those shows? First of all, like. Uh, how, how is the audience like what oh, how do they hype you up how do they get you i just i need to know everything i think it depends on the show uh, my first show ever was uh, wrestlemania x8 oh uh, uh, my to goodness to a normal person known as wrestlemania 18 but that's how they branded it i mean what a way to start oh though. yeah like I had a single ticket on the floor of the Sky Dome. Oh, they, wait, they did WrestleMania at the Sky Dome once? Oh, yeah, you guys are young. I'm sorry. They did it twice. Really? Uh, yeah, in fact, first time, I believe the story is that Edge was in the sixth row Ooh. as a child. Oh, that's so cool. I know um, Edge. I, might I don't be know him that- personally. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's back. I hope he's, like, healthy. Um, Edge was one of my favorites the first time around, although prefer christian i was a captain charisma fan um so yeah um so i had already gone through that adjustment period in the first phase of my wrestling fandom um the weirdest part for me the first time was not even putting together until i was there oh yeah you can't hear the commentary live Oh, that is interesting because I feel like commentary, at least in terms of like the the WWE stuff, is such a huge part of that experience. It pushes a lot of storylines forward, especially in that storytelling forum. Um, DDT actually has uh, no English commentary and they only do live commentary for their big shows. Hmm. Usually once a month, I think, is when they have the commentary. So there is um, um, an unofficial but a sanctioned translation account on Twitter that you oh. have to keep up with to, like, follow any live translations. I was going to ask. I'm like, how do you follow the story, though? Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. That's kind of cool that that exists, though. Oh, like, is that Was that, like, a fan sort of started I, thing? I believe or? he actually works with DDT in some capacity, oh, too. Okay. I, don't, I should probably know this better than I do. But, um, yeah, so that's more of an add-on now. New Japan service for most of its shows now, they have their own streaming service. I subscribe to four wrestling streaming <laughs> services like a proper adult. Um, so they would have uh, an English commentary track and a Japanese commentary track. Um, and the English can push some narratives forward and also help with translation of anything live. But a lot of like non-Japanese-speaking fans prefer just to have the Japanese track because that used to be all you could hear if you were into Japanese wrestling and they like the rhythm of it and just the showmanship of it, even if they're not following word for word what's happening. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I am actually pretty used to not having that commentary in my ear all the time now, but it was really jarring that first time when all I watched was WWE, Yeah. which was WWF at the time still, I believe. Um... I was actually in WWF New York the day they changed to WWE. And really? It, it was a very weird atmosphere. No one was saying anything in the store. I'm just like, why is everything on sale? Bottle <laughs> 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 on. Um, yeah, and then like went back to the hotel room and there was on the news that they'd had to change. Um, apparently there's a new WWE documentary series where they just make up an entirely different reason. Like they did it on their own, not like... Oh, they don't acknowledge the whole... Why was it they changed? Was it because of the World Wildlife Yes, Foundation because they Foundation? had like a, an agreement set in place of where and when they would use WWF that didn't infringe on the World Wildlife Federation. And they just fla- flagrantly broke it and got caught <laughs> and had to change. But apparently, according to the new, like, WWE propaganda machine, they just felt it was a good idea to rebrand. So, yeah. Yeah, write the narrative. (laughs) They always do. (laughs) Friends, I don't know much about the sport of baseball, 
but I do know that you have to play it with a baseball bat. And if you're going to get yourself a baseball bat, then why not go with the best of the best and get yourself a Sam bat? That is the original Maple Bat Corporation. It is quality. It means craftsmanship. You will knock it out of the park every time if you're using Sambat. And if you're thinking of using Sambat, why not head over to Sambat.com and join Team Sambat. Let them know that Joel Calderola sent you. They'll hook you up with that sweet $25 off your first custom bat purchase. That's Sambat at Sambat.com. It's a bit cavernous when you're sitting in the sky dome and watching this tiny, tiny ring in ring the center. Um, I, I always feel strange when I'm at uh, stuff like that. If I'm at like a concert or, or or something like that, where it's like you're really far back, or and then it's like, do I watch the the action happening tiny down there? Or do, or I, do watch I watch the screen? The screen. But yeah. then I'm like, but if I paid to come out here, shouldn't <laughs> I be watching the real thing down there? And it, it's yeah. a real it's a real conflict within my. It mind. is. Yeah, <laughs> we were going back and forth because we were at Madison's. When when I say we, I'm always saying my mother because I've sucked her into this life. <laughs> she is my wrestling watching partner now. Um, so. We uh, saw New Japan Pro Wrestling in Madison Square Garden last wow. spring, too. Um, and our seats were good. We were on the floor, but it was also very small. So, yeah, we were doing the same thing back and forth. of Like, how many details can we see up there versus the fact that, like, Kazuchika Okada is in front of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of the audience, like, what is the energy level like at one of these things? It's all over the place and it depends very much on the promotion i mean we've i've gone to a lot of ring of honor shows because they bring in new japan talent but their audience is not my favorite um there's a lot of people who just think they're hilarious and just shout out like smarky commentary the whole time it's always and my least favorite kind of audience know, you just member. Want it's like, them we're to not go away. here it's for like, you. No, like, and you. Watch the show. <laughs> why did you pay to come say your unfunny lines in my ear for like four hours? Yeah, there's a difference between like, you know, getting into the show, getting hyped, yeah. cheering, and being all into it. And the occasional catcall can be very funny. You yeah. just don't have to do it the whole time. But it's... yeah, this isn't your stand-up comedy routine, yeah. you know? We're here for like th- what's happening in front of us. Yeah, <laughs> oh, so I, I feel it most there um i haven't been to wwe live since maybe i want to say 2005 2006 um so that could be fun or hit and miss Mm -hmm. um the best live crowd i've ever been in was the new york crowd for ddt it was just i everyone was there for the right reasons they weren't (laughs) in it to say ridiculous bullshit they were just Either they were wrestling fans who were curious and open to the show, or they were just DDT nerds like me who were just ready to be there and (laughs) just wanted to see every element of it and wanted to be, like, hit in Lego when Takagi and Mao were fighting and... Yeah. Now, is there, in terms of, like, the action going on on stage, is there any kind of, like audience interaction you sometimes see that with like wwe stuff where they're they're you know hyping up the crowd or 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 they involve the audience in some way like that is that a similar thing that would happen with these ddt shows oh yeah they'll get you hyped um the the main event flew into the crowd for a while not in our section so much they actually had to like clear a section so they could go flying that's so cool yeah. I, that's like something you could tell someone. Like, I had to move because the match came out here. Oh, yeah. And that happens, <laughs> like, in a lot of the smaller shows, too, where you'll just hear them, like, clear you out and you have to move. Um, <laughs> at a show in Toronto in August, um, the one of the wrestlers in the main event landed on my mother. Really? Um, yeah. That's a story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they, like, tried to pull her out of the way after. It was just all very awkward and weird but yeah like one of the stars of uh owe landed on mom (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i mean i mean i'm I'm sure in the moment you're very startled by it but it's like that's stunned than startled (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's one of the things we're practicing for going to japan is just like being alert enough to know to get out of the way when you see live wrestling so that people don't land on you fair enough um, now, we've kind of talked a lot about uh, the wrestling itself, but 
where does this begin for you? Like, where do you get into wrestling? And where do you then make the jump to, to you know, DDT and, and all of these other Japanese leagues? Uh, so, let's see, it was probably 2001. I had just started dating my now husband, Aaron. Okay. And we had similar taste in a lot of pop culture. And I thought he was super cool and smart, but there was this one thing about him that was driving me batty and that was that he loved pro wrestling and i'm like why (laughs) this man is smart what is it about this garbage (laughs) that he loves so much so i took it upon myself to like do research to try to figure out why he'd gone so wrong in this one aspect of his life (laughs) and i got sucked in Almost immediately. Turns out you were the one who was wrong. I at was that point. wrong. It's like <laughs> I had bought into that entire like it's fake, therefore it's bullshit narrative. Uh, but what I immediately saw was sort of that blend of like very old school theatrical storytelling um, with like kitchen trash, which I love very much too, and just to see them clashing so beautifully in what I think is pretty much the only medium we have right now that allows storytellers to have, like, tangible live feedback to their work. It is true. You kind of know, like, right away uh, in in an environment like that if, like, your story is working, if the character is working, because they'll let you know. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Just, like, this palpable response to it was so fascinating to me as someone who was also starting her writing career at the time and just to watch the way they were telling the stories and the way people were responding to them and the fact that there was a physical way to tell a story but then also like a narrative that you would connect to it to tell the story and the way the different characters interacted I enjoyed it as a viewer and as someone who was looking for inspirations to like shape her early work and that became a primary source of inspiration for me and then after a few years of WWE I was super into it but a number of different things happened that made me feel more and more distant from it um one was the death of Chris Benoit um I had been a huge Benoit fan yeah. Um, like one of the most powerful moments in my early wrestling fandom was him and Eddie Guerrero standing in that ring together, which I watched like not in person live, but live on pay-per-view with my friends. And that had been a moment where we're like, these are good wrestlers who won. This is really positive. And then they were both dead so soon after. And we can mourn Eddie, but... Chris Benoit is, is it's a... It's one of those topics that doesn't come up often, like in the in that world of wrestling, because it is such a a, a hard thing to talk about because it um, was so unexpected. Although I find like the younger generation of fans have this perverse curiosity about him now, and it just my blood runs cold the way that it doesn't seem real to them, or how they want to talk about what a great wrestler he is. Like you could just push the other stuff out to the side. It's, you can't. But I separate that. No, and also if we want to talk about his legacy and how like that got robbed by head injuries or whatever else contributed to it, can we at least talk about women's legacy too? Because I'm a woman fan. I thought she was brilliant as a manager or a valet or whatever you want to call her. And to see like not only to see her life, which is most important, to see her murdered, but to see her entire history wiped out yeah, so that we can talk about Chris Benoit's legacy yeah. pisses me off as, like, a woman and a wrestling fan. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of issues with that still, and I don't really talk to fans day-to-day who want to talk about Benoit at all, but I see it lingering in online communities and stuff, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it was just one of those after the Benoit situation happened and then the details started trickling out. It was one of those things that just made me sort of drift away. And then also there was, and I'm missing the timeline here. I realize they're sort of separate issues a bit apart, but there was that whole angle where Mickey James was like pathetically in love with Trish Stratus. And I just felt 
personally attacked by that because I was also a loser embarrassingly in love with Trish Stratus and I just didn't want Mickey James to be a punchline in that way and so that made me drift away from it too um and just for years I thought that wrestling was going to be like this iconic love in my life I couldn't be around anymore that I would always be grateful it had happened but never go back to it. And I, you know, drift in and watch a Rumble, Royal Rumble here, WrestleMania there. I have a couple of friends who would never give up, though. And anytime there was anything they thought I might like, they would sort of bring it to me. And I liken it to the way that, you know, your cat will bring you a dead bird. Because you're like, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I know what you're doing. I don't want this. I just this. don't go want away. it at all. Because, yeah. <laughs> Um, but one of the dead bird offerings <laughs> that I got uh, was from my friend Eric, who in early 2018 was like, I know you don't care. I know someone has probably told you about this already, but you just need to know there was this tag team called the Golden Lovers and they reunited last night. And he sent me a link to this like beautifully enacted reunion video. And I just got sucked into their story. <laughs> and now, are they uh, Golden Lovers? Uh, wh- which league did they belong to? Is that so? They started in DDT. Okay. Um, but they were in New Japan Pro Wrestling when they reunited, and that's where I started watching them. And if you happen to be a nerd of a certain age who hangs out with other nerds and you say on Twitter, hey, I might watch wrestling again, very soon a bunch of your friends will show up to offer you their passwords to streaming services to check shit out. Um, so that's a little how social I experiment. Let's yeah. mention you love wrestling and see which of your friends come out of the woodwork to Because I was I amazed. It, like Suddenly it was like, oh, which password do I choose? It's, um... And I think I was only on a friend's account for about a month before I was like, no, I, I need to contribute to this art and subscribe for myself. So I started following their story in real time in New Japan um, and then ended up not even being their biggest fan because that's when I started to see Hiromu and Naito and started to realize that like LIJ were my boys and they were the ones I wanted to cheer for and they were the ones that had like the super earnest storyline of like finding strength in each other and fighting forward that I kind of thought Golden Lovers were going to be about and then it totally wasn't I don't still don't even know what that was about um and then to learn the Golden Lovers history I subscribed to DDT and I was just going to go through the archives and watch old Golden Lovers matches and then unsubscribe to the service um, which in retrospect is weird because while I was away from wrestling, I had heard about DDT. Um, I was a professional pillow fighter for a little while in there, which is, um, basically there were like, there were real fights, um, anything in that you could do in MMA or amateur boxing, as long as there's a pillow at the point of contact. But we had very pro-wrestling presentation, and that's why I got involved in them. I was a terrible fighter. I absolutely sucked at it. I just wanted to cut promos and have a character. (laughs) Fair enough. So, like, when you're a professional pillow fighter and people come to see you professionally pillow fight and want to talk to you after, they will say things like, oh, hey, there's this wrestling league in Japan with chairs and stuff. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that sounds great. But I didn't really get into it at the time. And didn't even put that together that like oh yeah this league that people had occasionally told me about this promotion um maybe i will like it beyond as a source of like an archive yeah for the golden lovers um so i started to get into their women's promotion which is called tokyo joshi pro wrestling um the first show i watched there was this woman um in sort of like a sailor moon-esque costume who was like absolutely failing in her fight and her friends seemed to be cheering her on and she still lost and she had some sort of histrionic breakdown about it but then her friends said something nice so she was hugging her and overwhelming her and then insisted on singing herself out as she walked out of the ring <laughs> not That's entirely how I want to leave every room from now on and just, like, I'll sing myself yeah, out. pretty much <laughs> and in that instant I am like who is this woman? She is perfect. <laughs> I'm going to subscribe to this, like, 
continue my subscription just for her. Um, her name is Maki Ito. She is a genius. She is the leader of the Ito Respect Army, which is an army she assembled just to respect her. Um, <laughs> it's in its second incarnation now. <laughs> Um, so yes, she is a failed idol who kind of like was giving up on life, found wrestling as this outlet. And she also has like this second win. She's sort of a nihilistic optimist where she is clearly working through some issues, but she does so in a way that's really hilarious and also open and inspiring. And she's extremely charismatic. Her comic timing is incredible. I adore her. So I kept the subscription for her and then started to realize, like, once you get into the actual, like, DDT brand, there, there's going to be no stopping. This is going to be something I love so much that my life will be over once I start it. So it's I just sort of, like, slope. put it off for a few months where I'm like, no, I need to have more of a life. And then I sat down and I watched um, Peter Pan. It was 2018 live. Saw some parts of Den Shokudino that I wasn't expecting to see um, and just instantly fell in love. Like, it was just a level, even though I, like, couldn't understand the language. And there's also a lot of cultural references I don't get because it's very tied into pop culture, yeah. too. So even though I'm getting maybe half of it from giving myself a lot of credit, what I was getting was just, like, so in line with my <laughs> sensibilities that it, I absolutely loved it. And it's been my number one promotion ever since. That's awesome. I mean, you were selling it. I got to say, you were selling it very well. <laughs> like so many aspects of this. Because it's like, we began this episode and you kind of had me on the grounds of like, they're fighting chairs and like, isn't that wacky and everything? And I'm like, that is super like creative and, and out there. But then like, it's going further than that. It's like, it's it's wholesome, too. Like, it's, there's this wholesome... Wholesome is an interesting word because it's like, there's some very perverted, twisted shit that goes down Fair in DDT. But, like, in a way where I feel like if you sort of embrace what a weirdo pervert you are <laughs> and you, you have any goodness within you, that kind of shines through. And yeah, that's really the vibe I get from DDT. There's there's a lot of ne'er do wells around, but there, there's a heart to it. It's it's uh, pervert with a heart of gold. Absolutely, <laughs> that's, it, that that's. I mean, it's me to a certain extent, and it's <laughs> it's DDT too. Uh, you said you gave me the whole angel devil on the shoulder. Yes. I think you said was it damnation? Damnation. Was you didn't tell me a whole lot about them. Can we dive into them a little bit here? Damnation are my absolute favorite stable in the history of wrestling. I feel like you really have to watch them to get into them. Um, when I first started watching DDT, I was like, oh, I think. Damnation are cool. I think I like them. And then as I started watching more, I'm like, no, they're absolute losers. And I love them <laughs> so much. They're just these like weird goth misfits who have banded together. They are always on the verge of collapse. There's some sort of civil war happening at any time. They are so full of shit. Their promos are just bizarre, like half lies and half confabulations. And but they, they they care about each other at the end of it. So there is like like that weird twisted heart to it too. Um and just like everything they do entertains me to no end. <laughs> um their current biggest drama is that one of them, the leader, Daisuke Sasaki, who has named himself Charisma and everyone just goes with it, <laughs> um, who is like a depressed, drunken fool in debt because I believe the story is that he like gambled and spent all his money on booze thinking that the world was going to end in 2012 <laughs> and then it didn't and he's just been recovering from that ever since well haven't we all well, I mean. you know <laughs> who 
knew that it wasn't going to happen. Um, I didn't have my money on that. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> so he won a sword last month. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> it was something I didn't know I needed in my life until the second it happened. And then it was one of my favorite things that has ever happened. So they have these contracts that you can win that allow you to a cha- challenge on the spot anytime, anywhere for the main title in the promotion. Um, And they're usually just like little gauntlets they wear on their wrist that they carry around. But this year they had a special one that allows you to challenge for the main event of their main show this year, which is going to be Peter Pan in June. Okay. And so it's basically going to be the equivalent of their WrestleMania this year. No, sorry, why Peter Pan? There's actually a whole explanation to that, that... um, there is a Vice documentary. It's part of the Wrestlers series, and there's an episode on DDT. Um, and the president, Sanchiro Takagi, goes into a great explanation of why it's called Peter Pan. And I, I will ruin it if I try to explain it. So please just, just watch the episode. It's go great. watch the Vice documentary. Yes. It'll fill in all the gaps for me. Absolutely. Right. And it's like, it's a bizarrely heartwarming episode, too, like so many things about DDT. So <laughs> this gauntlet that allows you to challenge for the main event at Peter Pan this year was a sword. Oh, my God. Um, and originally someone else won it, but Sasaki had a gauntlet, so he challenged for the sword, and he won the sword. And then I don't think I can accurately explain my beloved charisma to make you understand how, like, the second he touched this sword, the entire fandom knew what, like, absolute fuckery we were in for. <laughs> that he was, like, the last person who should ever be handed a sharp object. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, like, swinging it around. The press was begging him to stop. He had a whole plan to, like, go impress the unrequited love of his life with it. With who he plans to marry on the moon in 2022. Like, it's a long-term oh, Time's long-term. running out. I know. Like you, they were supposed to go to space this year, but things didn't work out in that way. Like when I say they, Damnation have plans to go to space, but not maybe not all of Damnation because they were kind of like feuding about it at the time, and maybe he wasn't going to take everyone because they're always in turmoil. <laughs> So, now, you, you did mention civil wars earlier too. Do you mean like the group is like there's infighting? Oh yeah, within this constant group? infighting. I mean, the, the two days after he won the sword, he was threatening to kill one of his teammates on oh Twitter about it. Um, that teammate is now the holder of the sword through a series of unfortunate events, <laughs> um, and he's threatened to kill Sasaki. Uh, <laughs> It kind of seems like this weird, like, Rube Goldberg machine, almost, of, like, weird, somewhat connected events that lead to, like, now he's got a sword. Now his teammate has a sword. He can't get married on the moon. And, (laughs) And, you know, the second he lost the sword, he decided that if he couldn't have a sword, let them eat belt, as Marie Antoinette said. (laughs) Um... (laughs) He's just <laughs> liberally misinterpreting Marie Antoinette now. So he just went and tried to steal another guy's belt. And then they held a press conference today. And he was very, very insincerely, but using very polite language, apologizing for causing this scene and stealing the belt <laughs> while drinking beer at the press conference. Of course. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the leader of Damnation and my second favorite member of Damnation because my absolute favorite wrestler ever is the sort of the second in command. His name is Tetsuya Endo. Um, I think he's the best wrestler alive right now. He There's just something so unique about his wrestling style and ability. He um, started as a rhythmic gymnast. Um, and so there's like a real beauty and grace to his style and you can see it in the crisp execution of his moves, but instead of just turning it into sort of this lifeless performance where it's all perfect and everything lands perfectly, he's like beautifully integrated it into a way where he also performs suffering incredibly well. So it's like these highs and these lows and this absolute graceful beauty that is always tinged with violence (laughs) Um, and then also he's just hilarious. Like he's even with the language barrier, his Twitter is 
incredibly wry and witty. Um, he breeds beetles on the side. Um, he, the last time they did a photo shoot, he was doing a photo shoot with his beetle and convinced the photographer to take like, like boudoir shots of his beetle oh. alone um, and then print eight by tens of it, which sold out at the last show. Oh my goodness. I desperately want one. I really I hope they make say, it available to international fans because... That's I, a piece of memorabilia right there. Oh like, God, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I And I have a framed, like, signed t-shirt of his on my wall at home. It's... Uh, one of his moves is called Tetsia in the Sky, which if you break that down is T-I-T-S. And so it's like this like cartoon boob shirt with Tetsia in the Sky written across it. It's garish and awful. And I think my favorite t-shirt ever. When I got that one signed, I framed it and I ordered a second one so I could have one to just like wear in public so people could stare at me oddly. Of course, of course. But it just captures just like the weird adolescent loser boy energy that they have somehow made incredibly entertaining and endearing in that group. <laughs> oh, also, I should point out that their slogan is, and I'm going to pronounce this terribly, which is, we never conform, kiss ass, or get married. <laughs> that is a great slogan. But it's so like terrible teenage boy, which makes me love it even more. And it's I have that on a t-shirt too. It's actually um the, the, like the culture jammed logo of the Nevermind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. We never conform because after get married, here's the damnation. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible, and that that does actually that leads kind of into uh, one of my next questions very well, which is. I was going to ask, are you a memorabilia collector? Like, is there memorabilia for this kind of stuff? And, like, what kind of stuff do you collect? Oh, oh Clearly signed t-shirts like that <laughs> yeah. is, is one of them. Um, the, the level of marketing in New Japan particularly, but DDT has both good vision too, is so mind-bogglingly better than what the WWE does today, let alone what they did back then. Um, I grew up in Welland, so it was like a 20-minute drive from WWE Niagara Falls, which was a merch store that happened to be on Clifton Hill for a number of years, and I considered that a pilgrimage. I'd go, (laughs) but it was all like, oh, here's another pint glass with WWE logo on it, or I think the best shirt they ever came up with was just like, a Christian Captain Charisma shirt, which I have. But just the level of design in New Japan merch. Um, well, first of all, you can buy the stuffed Daryls and um, Nehru, who is a new stuffed cat they have. Um, <laughs> just stuff like Hiromu draws his own logos, so there'd be like Hiromu art on shirts you can buy. Um, I have, let's see, a change purse of the mask he wore when he was training in Mexico. Super cool. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. I know I'm missing out on all the big stuff now. Um, my mother's favorite wrestler, Kazuchika Okada, he kind of lost his mind when he lost the belt in 2019. <laughs> um, and just went through a bit of an existential crisis where he was bringing balloons out and looking really sad. <laughs> You could buy the balloons. I have, like, sad Okada balloons at home. They're one of my favorite (laughs) items. Um, Just, like, yeah, this jacket I'm wearing is a Los Ingobernables jacket. I have 6,000 LIJ (laughs) t-shirts, hats, and then signed shirts, signed 8x10s, and... Oh, God, how could I forget this? New Japan has an entire line of, like, artisanal bears that are dressed up like their main stars. And I have far too many of them for a woman my age who is a freelance writer and has a freelance writer's budget. (laughs) But they're incredible. They're just these bears dressed as wrestlers, including I have the evil bear because there's a wrestler named Evil King of Darkness. <laughs> oh, man, that's edgy. And I so love it. He's just like, I have this goth bear with like an upside down cross on his cape and like black and purple hair and a big hood. And yeah. <laughs> do, you, 
<laughs> is there like a facility somewhere where they're making these bears where they hold them up when they're finished and they're like, what am I doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> I sincerely hope wherever it is, they're looking at it like, look at this beautiful art I am unleashing on the world. Oh, I have created something The Tanahashi perfect. bear has like a little Velcro on his coat jacket so that you can show off muscle beauty because Tanahashi like rips up in his chest to show off his titties. That's like part of his <laughs> big move. Um, <laughs> so the bear does it too. <laughs> Oh my god, that's uh, yeah. commitment to detail right there. Though. Like the bears are very detailed. Also, like Tanahashi quite frequently has like full on prom hair, so the bear has little <laughs> braids in his hair. <laughs> oh, that's They're cool. Very, very inspired bears. That's so, and like they've made like a ton of these. They've like, made how- a ton of these. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it originally started with three, and then. Uh, there were five members of Los Ingobernables at the time, so they released all five of them. Okay. The sixth one does have a member now. Um, Sho and Yo from Rapongi 3K. I haven't even gotten into Yo, who, um, in addition to being a pro wrestler, is an artist who makes toilet-focused art and per- <laughs> possibly considers himself the reincarnation of Marcel Duchamp. <laughs> I love him dearly. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> Um, he has a bear. I don't have the bear yet because I can't justify having any more of these damn bears in my life, even though I want all of them. Um, there's sure like can. masked wrestler bears. So, um, El Desperado has a bear, but I don't have Despi yet. Uh, Despi is a depressed, like skeleton dog musk wearing guy who maybe falls in love with all of his opponents. Kind of hard to tell. Um, he's great. <laughs> It's just every every character, every wrestler you tell me about just has this like deep like it's it's so so intense. It's so like it's not just like their on stage presence. It's also like they're an artist. They do this. Oh, it's yeah. uh they raise beetles in their spare time. <laughs> they do this. It's like it's like layers upon layers. It's like every decision they've made is like how can I make this weirder and more elaborate? <laughs> and then they go for that. <laughs> they I go all in. Wonder if a certain extent uh, wrestling is sort of like a misfit island where everyone just kind of like finds each other and then it grows from there because you're in an environment where like you're never gonna have a normal life anyway. You might as just might as well just go off the deep end, which it, I, I think I identify that. in a way as a freelance writer who has only been freelancing for years now. It's just you just drag everybody down with you. <laughs> all sorts of terrible and magical ways. <laughs> I mean, but I'm not landing on my head, so I guess that's a thing I for wrestlers um <laughs> another thing i like about it is just that it feels a little more grassroots and i don't want to shit on the wwe again but <laughs> it is more of like a produced product where actors are more playing characters and in other wrestling they're still playing characters but they've had like more of a say in the long-term development of it and like more of a hand in it so there's absolutely just yeah. more personality and more cohesion because you can rely on a single person to to a certain extent like look after their own long-term storytelling yeah in a way that you know if one like soap opera writer and their producers are looking after it maybe things get dropped in terms of continuity if these these wrestlers have such a say in their own story like as performers and as creators it must make it a whole lot easier to be able to kind of like like you are writing your story. It's so much easier to get invested in something where you're like, I have my say in this. Like it is what, you know, my voice matters in this arena. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then, of course, there's going to be creative clashes, too, because you're working course. with so many different people and like different personalities, but also different stories that how they come together. So, I mean, yeah, there's no scenario that's perfect. I just know that for me as a viewer, I tend to like more of just the personally crafted stuff mm-hmm. yeah there's a, a level of personal investment i suppose in in their story that might make it much more interesting to watch oh I yeah would say. and plus they're super weird and i love that <laughs> i feel like we're we're nearing the end is there anything you feel like we've uh we've missed out before i, I have like a wrap-up question here but is there anything you feel like we haven't like touched on yet touched on oh we should chat out mad polly the <laughs> damnation's pet <laughs> 
I guess. He's an alien. He's three. He's turning four in April, I oh, think. Oh, well, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably around the time he'll go into heat again. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, what? his, like, his purple face paint turns red, and he's in heat for a little while. And <laughs> have to distract him ringside with some hentai. And oh, my God. <laughs> it doesn't last long, though. He behaves. <laughs> what? Oh. Polly can only say a few words, one of which is boobs. (laughs) (laughs) You've really, I just, this is the first time I've ever felt like at a loss of like, nothing I say could ever live up to that sentence. So why why try, you know? Like, I I, I barely even touched on Mao. Well, let's direct it this way. Kind of uh, a shout out to the people who are listening right now. Um, I'm sure they're all intrigued <laughs> at this point. Um, if they kind of wanted to to jump in or wade into this pool, what's a good first step for them? What would you recommend they check out if they wanted to sort of fall down this rabbit hole with you? So DDT has an official YouTube page. So before you subscribe, which I think you should anyway, um, just go to the YouTube page, check it out. Um, my two recommendations would be if you're looking for more of the surrealist comedy aspect, um, the, oh, I hope I get the name of this right, Tiger Rope Deathmatch Panty Hunt. <laughs> Extreme title championship match between Hiroshima and my beloved Antonio Honda, who I think might be the most talented physical comedian in the world. Um, Fighting to either pin each other or remove their panties, which are on over their outfits, while they have a stuffed tiger on a rope tied between them. Um, that will give you a good idea of sort of like the galaxy brain genius end of DDT. And then if you go back, I believe it's around February 2019, there's a more straightforward match that I always like to recommend. It's Akito versus Tetsuya Endo. Um, and it's just a great example of how they can do serious wrestling brilliantly too. Um, if you're into like old school, um, more ring psychology there's a solid storyline through it you'll get some really good details of how endo performs um and so that that's that's a good one to get into for anyone who thinks it's like just a joke league when in fact it's It's everything at once yeah Yeah. the jokes are brilliant though i do not want to undersell the jokes yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it it, it can balance like it can do both is what i'm gathering also once you see like akito and endo in their serious aspects they're both extremely funny and very game for the other stuff too so like if you like them then just follow them through the comedy and then once you like that ddt universe is 999 yen a month um first month is free if you subscribe for the second month it is the best money i have ever spent aside from that tit shirt i bought um i would highly recommend just dive into youtube and then go subscribe yeah all right well i mean thank you so much for coming on and opening my world thank you for having me to to what is uh one of the strangest most fascinatingly (laughs) genius things i've ever heard of um it's been an absolute pleasure having you on thank you again thank you for having me thank you uh my name is joel calderola this has been Joel and the Superfans. Joel and the Superfans is a production of Punctual Media. Technical design and music by Timothy Anderson and produced in Toronto, Canada by Timothy Anderson and Joel Calderola. 